I really dislike the phrase, fake it till you make it. That's a problem for me because we don't want to fake it. We want to practice the truth of what we want to feel. Do you ever wonder? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to live an extraordinary life? Or is that only for people with exceptional beauty, brains, or talent? I know you are extraordinary. But when I look at me in the mirror, well... Ordinary. 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 Ordinary is all I see. Certainly, life has to be more extraordinary than what I've experienced so far. We all feel like this sometimes, but we don't have to. If you believe that your life and everyone's life can be more connected, more inspired, more fulfilling, then you're in the right place. Welcome to this Extraordinary Life podcast. I'm Kevin Monroe, and together we're going to discover life is extraordinary. extraordinary. Do little things really make that big of a difference? For me, being extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary is more of a choice. There is something truly remarkable about that. Are you looking for a place where people are more interested in who you are? Who you are? Who you are? Put in the extra in the ordinary. That's what extraordinary is all about. I want to live an extraordinary life. How about you? Welcome to episode eight. Hopefully you know me by now. I'm Kevin and I'm your host. I also hope you know what a joy it is for me to have you inviting me into your life and day. For us to share this time together, this conversation, and that's how I see this. Today's special in so many ways. I've been waiting for this episode to unfold for months. Months ago, I set an intention to host a conversation to explore the power of intention. I explored several paths of possible guests, and none of them felt right. And then, as my dad used to say, out of the blue, I met Lauren Beller. And now, you get to enjoy, as radio great Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of of the story. Here's Lauren. Lauren Beller, what a pleasure to welcome you to this Extraordinary Life podcast today. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, you know, one of the things I love out of this journey is the way we meet people and the way we become friends. And I know, Lauren, because you and I've shared several conversations over the recent weeks, I know that what we are about to share will be both delightful and insightful on some topics that are of keen interest and I believe even significance to living what we call this extraordinary life. I believe because you know so strongly that will be true. (laughs) One of the things we're going to talk about before we do that, there's something I always do to start conversations. So let's start there. Lauren, in this moment, as we're gathering here, you and me and all of those. And I love to think of the person joining us just sitting in the room with us, right? There are three of us sitting down for this conversation. So as we sit to start this conversation, what's something inspiring, fueling gratitude in your heart and life today? Mm. 
I, you know, these days I feel like there's two things that are really, really critical for me that I'm just so grateful for to the point that I can get teary eyed over it. One is my health and my daughter's health. Like it starts there. Like I wake up every day and I say, thank you. Literally, I wake up every day and I say, thank you. And I feel good. So that's first. The second is peace. I love this. I actually wrote about this today that peace is everywhere, but there's so much chaos right now. So much chaos feels in the world and I could easily tap into the chaos. So I find gratitude in the peace in the moments. So I love this thought. A couple of weeks ago, actually in the past year, I don't know when, it feels recent, but now I think about COVID and it feels really long ago. <laughs> it was last time I saw my doctor for my like wellness visit, right? My annual visit. They don't call it wellness visits when you're 55. They call it like annual checkups or something. <laughs> so he was listening to my heart and he said to me, ooh, there's peace between the heartbeats. Wow. And I said, thank you. Thank you for remind- telling me that. Like I never thought about peace between our heartbeats. So every day I'm like, I might not feel peaceful right now, but wait, let me go back to my heartbeat to find the peace between the heartbeats. Those are the two core things that have me just savor moments. So I'm not surprised, Lauren. Every session, every meeting I host, I always begin by asking people, whether it's one or whether it's dozens, hundreds, what are you grateful for in this moment? And especially since the pandemic, health is so much more amplified in the answers. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us may have been taking health for granted prior to this, but health is one of those. The other thing that hit me last week as I was reflecting on it is how many times I asked the question, what are you grateful for? And the answer is a person mm-hmm. who they're grateful for. And I thought, ah, I need to change the way I ask the question now. Who or what are you grateful for? Yeah. There's another thought for me that I want to ask. Let's share the story of how we met just before mm. hit record here. I mentioned. And so for you listening in, episode four of this podcast was a conversation with Jeff Durso. I want to hear the story as you remember it and see if our recollection is the same. Who introduced who to whom, right? Because there is this series of people involved. Yeah. Let's see if I remember it the way you remember. Isn't that funny? Because our reality is so fascinating, right? So I remember it. I joined my first Blitzer, which is Jeff Durso is one of the originators of that product and that platform, which I absolutely love. And I was in a session in a Blitzer with Jeff. And when I was talking to Jeff, he said, you have to meet Kevin. He's on this Blitzer right now. And he actually, there's a tool at the top. And there's a way to say like who to connect you with. And it actually forces you to have a connection in the next section or within that blitzer. That was my recollection of how we, how was you, what was yours? Oh, that's it. And it was another mutual friend that all of this we've met in through because of blitzer, Tobin Slavin. Tobin is how I ended up being on my first blitzer. I joined Tobin for one of his book of expert calls and He said, hey, we're doing this blitz afterwards. I'm like, what the heck's a blitz? He goes, just hang on and see. So I was on this blitz and that's when I met Jeff. And then I don't know if it was that one or two days later, I'm on another blitz. I think it was two days later. And Jeff says, oh, Kevin, you must meet Lauren. That is what 
I would call serendipity. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a word you love. What does serendipity mean to you? And what does it look like in your I life? I love the word serendipity. It's like, it's light, but it's magical at the same time. And it's happenstance and it's perfection. I love the word. Me too. I looked up a dictionary definition. And here were two, the faculty or phenomenon of finding valuable or agreeable things not sought for. Ah, that's perfect. Or the aptitude for making desirable discoveries by accident. I know you're going to go here. I mean, I don't really know where you're going to go, but I have a sense about where you're going to go. I think the more intentional we become, the more serendipitous life is. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I believe this was a conversation or an element of the conversation I had with Jeff that it's so I don't believe we brought intention into that one. But I said to Jeff, I believe there are a lot more opportunities for serendipity than most of us realize. Serendipity is going on all the time. And so many times we just miss it. We're so busy. We don't see it. And then I love this dimension you bring, huh? Up your intentionality and all of a sudden you're experiencing or enjoying more serendipity. So much more because it brings our eyes to what we intend. It brings our energy to what we intend. Without it, we sort of go around with blinders on or we're being overtaken by all the beautiful shiny objects. And I'm not thinking we should miss all the shiny objects, but there's a time that it makes sense to put our blinders on and stay focused on the intention that we want. And keep the intentions on or take the blinders on or take them off is interesting, right? Because sometimes we want to keep them on and sometimes we want to take them off. But with intention changes the whole scenery. Yeah. Well, with intention, it changes the whole scenery. What a beautiful line, Lauren. So you have a couple of books. I remember messaging you as I started reading one of those books, the one I read first, Big Impact, a goal-setting guide for building your extraordinary life. Do you remember the gist of what I messaged you? Yeah, uh, the gist was, if I were writing a book, it would be this book, something like that, right? Yeah, I'm reading a book and it feels like a book I would want to write if I were writing a book. This is one of those books. So that's what I love about this. We're going to have such a deep, rich conversation on so many things. But before we delve into that, the intention and those elements, I want to ask about extraordinary because that's another word. There's so many words that you and I both have this fascination with, this fixation on even the extraordinary. What does that mean to you? And when did you start getting attracted to this idea? I don't know the answer to that, but I'll try to answer it. (laughs) I think that we take so much for granted that is ordinary that we miss the extraordinary in the basics. So I remember I had a client years ago that made her annual intention. It had the word extraordinary in it. Oh, it was, I know what it was. This was her year to create her extraordinary chapter. So her intention was my extraordinary chapter now. It was a fascinating intention. I was mesmerized by it and always loved coaching her because I love to hear how she kept bringing it back or my job 
was to keep bringing her back to that intention that year. So we both had work to do, right? We had a coaching relationship and I watched how she used it in a way that was just magical. It always was about raising the bar to look for extraordinary in the ordinary moments because they're there. We're just missing them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that is what this extraordinary life, both as the podcast and the community is all about. And that's one of the reasons, told this before, but I'll share it here so you hear it. I think if I had been left to my own on this community, I would have probably called it the extraordinary life. My colleague and collaborator, Christy Kern, we were in conversation years ago, and she goes, what if we called it this extraordinary life? Because the word the might give people the impression that it's still out there somewhere. It's elusive. It's evasive. Oh, what a beautiful simplification and modification that it's this, back to your friend, this life, the life we're living right now is the only extraordinary one we're going to get. So don't go missing it by looking for it somewhere else. The other thing I say, a lot of people must believe it's, it's located right next to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes. Never going to find it. No, it's out there. The is out there. Yeah. Yeah. But this is right here. Right here. Right here. Yeah. Okay. I can touch this, but I can't touch the, right? Yeah. So that, that's another word, right, that we share, this extraordinary. So I told you before we hit record, you said, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, there's some words. <laughs> Don't tell me. Don't tell me. So we've talked about serendipity. We've talked about extraordinary. And you already brought up the big one that really. <laughs> the was, big one. Yeah, the big one. <laughs> well, and I don't know if I want to go there yet, but let's talk about another one on the journey. And I'm not trying to hide anything from you. You've already heard. We want to talk about intention. That's one of those. But before we get to intention, another word that's in your book that I believe is really important in this journey, success. Mm. Success. And what does success look like for Lauren now? And how is that different from what it looked like for you a few years back or several years back? Several years back, it has evolved 180 degrees. Yeah. And not just for me, but for the world. Like I start to have a different perspective on what's, pers- I, I really have a judgment about what success is, right? And so years ago, it was very external. It was, you know, the house, the car, the bank account. And that got old rather quickly. It fell flat. It didn't fill me up. And it was your constant rat race, right? That was the keep up with the Joneses. And then I not just saw it in myself, but I saw it with my clients. And I thought, oh my goodness, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I don't think it was any one thing. I think it was the evolution of just life, getting older, getting wiser, looking back, looking forward, asking myself harder questions of, you know, what really matters. And also having the phenomenal experience of going through so many intention wheels with so many people when they start to look at the whole picture of life and what really matters. So in my definition of success, it's about how I spend my time, the quality of my relationships now, the ease in which I can do my life and create space for myself to take care of myself. 
so much more than the external things. So much more. So much. Yeah. Oh, that's so true, Lauren. And for me, this is one of those words like you that I definitely understood differently and defined differently years ago. And it's one of those words, you listening to us now, I want to invite you just to pause. That's an intentional, deliberate pause. You didn't lose the conversation. Pause and ponder, how are you defining success now? And I wonder, Lauren, I think the great reset we're living through, COVID-19, is prompting a lot of people, giving a lot of people that pause to reassess and maybe redefine success, what success means to me, what success means to you now. So pause on that a moment. I can literally pause and I can share a story. We can do a little bit of both. So if we take a deep breath in the pause, a couple stories. So I first love what you just called it, the giant reset. I've been calling it the giant pause. So years ago, I got certified as a parenting coach in addition to the many other things that I do with a now 14-year-old. Over the years, it was really valuable to step into that world from a parenting perspective. And the coach that I worked with, she gave out free, you know, those rubber bracelets that are in, you know, have a little stamp in it. Her bracelet was gray and it said pause. And she said, it's the most powerful parenting tool you have at your fingertips at all times. And I thought, that's actually the most powerful tool we all have at our fingertips at all times. Yeah, I was about to say that if you didn't, it's way more than just parenting. Yeah, it's way more. So I think that this time, this COVID time is one of the greatest gifts. I really see it as a gift for us. And I'm noticing it in my own self. There's been a pause earlier in this time that truly had us slow down and truly had us take notice and sit with more. And not always comfortable, but critical and consciously. Not always comfortable, yet critical and critical. Yeah. And I'm noticing, and I don't know if you're noticing it too, a much rapid rate right now. Do you see there's a much rapid rate going on in the world? There's a pickup. And my sense is that we are trying to find what we think was. And it doesn't exist. It's very elusive. It's not going to ever come back that way. And there's a scramble. I feel this. And it's me personally. I'm trying not to step into that. But I don't think it's healthy to try to get back to that giant. Like I'm even noticing the traffic on our highways is back to what it was. And it sort of saddens me because I don't want to miss the precious gifts from what came from this time as a society. Okay. So. Is there another story? I want to pause. I had the rest, but that's okay. I don't know what it was right now. Go, so go ahead. So I want to pause here. Before we hit record, you and I were talking a few minutes, and I was sharing that today's been an out-of-sync, out-of-sorts day for me, and I think you just identified it. Mm. And it, it, because I felt that you got to get back to the the hustle. You got to get back to the pace. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't. I want to stay in the pause. I want to resist. Yeah. And that has been the 
tension, I'll say, that I have felt today and have wrestled with in this very day. It's kind of like, oh, get busy, get busy, do this, do this. There are all these, and it's like, and, you know, in that, just back and forth. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Fascinating perspective. The desire to go to that place again, in my opinion, is very similar to the old definition of success, of keeping up with the Joneses. We think that we have to step into that fast-paced life in order to keep up. The truth is, is we have to pause and then intentionally choose this project. I am with Kevin right now. This is where I am. Nothing else matters. This is where I'm at right now. This is my present moment. So be in it, pause, and be present. Okay, we're going to pause just a moment because we have something we want to share with you listening. And then when we return, Lauren and I are going to go deeper on this pause because there is a question I want to ask. Hey, we're back, Lauren. Right before the break, you said in this moment, this conversation with Kevin is all you're doing and all that matters. Well, I want to ask, what does it take? Let's just unpack. What are you not doing now? And what does this mean from a discipline standpoint? And I mean, kind of like there are no other devices ringing for either of us. I think this is something some people miss that, oh, you can put your phone in airplane mode. You can turn your phone off. You can turn notifications off because all of those things are vying for your attention. And if you really want to live an intentional life, you've got to give it your attention. Mm -hmm. What are some of the disciplines for Lauren to focus on one thing and one thing only? So you're stepping into, again, the word that we haven't used yet, which is intention. And I've used it now two times. I apologize. To me, it's about living. So some people meditate two and three times a day. I've tried to meditate and I'm not against meditating at all. But what I choose to do is this. I choose to live intentionally, mindfully in this moment. And to me, that's a mindful practice. It's making a conscious choice to be in this moment. And it's really interesting because if I've actually done this a lot where I take my phone and I will put it aside, you know, put it away. It actually was in front of me, but it's very quiet lately, thank goodness. And really give the person in my house, which is my 14-year-old, undivided attention for just 10 minutes. And that practice of doing that showed me how powerful it is to do this. But I've also been doing this from a client perspective, from a coach perspective for now 20 years. So I realized that living mindfully is like a meditation practice. I'm choosing this right now and only this right now. Well, and if we understand or define meditation as a mindfulness practice, which it is, And this is just another expression of mindfulness for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've said it for years. I think that multitasking is dangerous. Very. I think it's bad for our health. I think it's bad for our relationships. I think it's bad for the world. So single-mindedness is something that I continue to practice. It doesn't mean as a single mom. It doesn't mean as a single income earner in my home. It doesn't mean that I'm not really busy, that I have a lot on my plate, but I have organization skills. I have the 
practice of not delegating, but what's it called when I, you know, I can compartmentalize. This is today's list and this is after tomorrow's list and I'm in this moment so I can practice it. And it is truly a practice. It's a practice. Practice. It's a practice. Uh, Some days I'm better at it. When I'm tired, I'm awful at it. Here's something else and I'm just confessing, not just to Lauren because we're friends having this conversation, but to you listening. I mentioned today's been a lesser bright self day. The other thing I've allowed myself to do a lot today that has contributed to that is multitasking, you know, back and forth. So yeah, that's something. But in this moment, when I start to have a conversation, whether it's a coaching conversation, a client conversation, or a podcast conversation like this, I put my phone in airplane mode because I don't want to be disrupted or distracted. And those things can be distracted. All right, one more word before we get to the big one. And this is a word I also know that is one of your faves on your fave list because you actually shared some of your favorite words with me in a conversation previously. Let's talk about impact. Well, (laughs) it's a great word. So I believe that you're picking all great words, Kevin. Good job. I didn't know you were going to do this. It's sort of fun. This is sort of like, this is a perfect conversation. So I believe that what comes before impact is self-care. And I believe that it's our responsibility to take good care of ourselves so that we can have the impact in the world that we were meant to have. So we have to be careful not to put impact before self and not from a selfish perspective in any way, shape or form, but for a sustainable a sustainable effort of impact. Because I'm wondering here, I think I heard you say this indirectly, that if you're not taking care of yourself, your impact will be diminished. Definitely. And diminished or not sustainable. Yeah, or not sustainable. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So we've talked about all these words, but the big word that we've (laughs) talked about a couple of times, but it's what I really wanted to dig into a conversation with you intention, because I've been on this quest of better embracing, experiencing, exploring intention. It's somewhat irrelevant whether I really understand intention or not, if I'm being honest, but I do. I want I want to explore, experience, and express it way more than I want to academically or existentially understand it. Let's talk about intention. And I know that's such a big part of your life and your work. But where do you want to start this conversation based on everything we've already talked about? How do we bridge into intention, Lauren? Well, I think like all the other words that you've brought up, they've evolved for me. Intention has done the same. So I used to think that intentions were goals years ago. Intentions were goals. And the more I unpacked that, to use your word, the more I unpacked that thought that intentions are not goals. If they're not goals, then what are they? And I started to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And one of my gurus that I've been paying attention to since until he died was Wayne Dyer. And Wayne Dyer, in my opinion, was the guru on intention. And he wrote the book Power of Intention and many, many other books before that. So that helped me sort of pick it apart and see it from his perspective over many years. Because he wrote, I always say he wrote a book a year because he kept, he did write a book a year because every year he'd go on PBS with a new book and do a huge fundraiser for them. 
So I was so impressed by his book that he wrote every year. But looking back, I realized he always wrote a different book, but it was the same message from a very different perspective. So one of the quotes that he said that caught my attention, almost like a gasp, he said, we don't attract what we want. We attract what we are. And that struck me because everybody talks about in coaching, my clients, even me, when I'm being coached, what I want. So if we are working really hard to get what we want or accomplish what we want or create what we want, we're working too hard because we have to look at the other piece of it is we don't attract what we want. We attract what we are. And then I said, let me go look up the definition of intention again. So when I looked up the definition of intention, it's, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it talks about acting a certain way. The word acting is in there, but we want to be positive that we're acting in a genuine way. We're not pretending. We're not doing something falsely. It has to be aligned with who we are and we must be in integrity with that. And that was 19 years ago. I actually have your book right in front of me. Let me read it. You said intention is, as Merriam-Webster defines it, the thing that you plan to do or achieve an aim or purpose. And it goes on to say a determination to act in a certain way. Yeah, that's the definition you used in the book and pulled from Miriam. So it's about the acting. I really dislike the phrase fake it till you make it. That's a problem for me because we don't want to fake it. We want to practice the truth of what we want to feel. And that's intention, acting in a certain way, but genuinely acting in a certain way. So your very next line in the book gets into this. I like to think about intentions as how we will be, parenthesis, or act, close parenthesis, as we move towards something we want to accomplish. Exactly. So intention and being. Let's go deeper in this because intention is so misunderstood. So misunderstood. We also think, so we're goals, by the way. I did a session and... Did I interrupt you? Were you going to say something? I, had, I did a coaching session yesterday with a potential client. And I asked her what her goals were in business. And she said to earn a certain income. I think that's what she said. Or to get a certain number of clients. And I said, well, that's not a goal. That's a vision. Because goals really should be something that we can measure. Mm-hmm. And I can work towards it today. I don't know if I'm going to get a client today, but I know that I can have five conversations today. So that's the goal is to have five conversations. The intention is when I have five conversations, how do I feel? I feel like I'm in integrity with myself. So now that tells me my intention is to be in integrity. So it's about unpacking the vision to the accountability piece, which is the goal. And then let's project out how I should go about those conversations so that I actually am attracting what I want, but I have to do it genuinely. So I have to make a conscious choice of doing it with integrity, doing it with joyfulness, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And another phrase that you and I have discussed that I want to add to this and continue this unpacking is intention is energy. So what is energy to you? Mm, I have a bio and a psych degree, which I love the two aspects of of the world. 
And I love putting them together. So you're stepping into now the science aspect of this, which I love. There's another book, and I'm going to, it's eluding me at this moment, Spiral Dynamics. And Spiral Dynamics is an old book, and it talks about how words have energy. So words matter. If you use the word happy versus the word joyful, they have actually different energy. Um, Spiral Dynamics would say that joy and joyful have a much higher energy than the word happy. It's more flat of a word. And I think that everybody probably would agree with that. If you think about how do you describe something when someone says, I had a good day. Well, that's good. It's probably a very flat word. I've never looked that up, but I imagine it's a low energy word. It's a positive word. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. If you ask me, how was my day? It was delightful. That's really different than I had a good day. I had a delightful day. So I think that when we really take the time, the nuance of describing how we want to feel or what our intention is, the selection of the word is critical so that it has the energy to attract more of that. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Let me build on this and go deeper with this conversation. So what does it mean to you, Lauren, to now live with intention every day. It's not just this, oh, I've set this intention for the year and I hope I get there. But for you, I know that intention comes to today, every day, every day. It's a really great question. Kevin, you have really good questions. So to me, what happens is it shortens the amount of time that I'm thrown off course. Does that make sense? Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I want you to say it again because it makes so much sense. So living intentionally for me is it shortens the amount of time that I get thrown off course. So I'll give you an example. So I'm human. I get mad. I get frustrated. I get distracted. I get off course. Like I get those things happen to me. I have all kinds of you know messy days and I'm okay with it. I do not beat myself up about it. What I do is I say, I have a choice right now. I have an intention that I set for my year. Do I want to practice it right now or don't I? And I say, sometimes I say, no, I'm going to sit and be mad. I'm really mad about that. So I allow mad to just be, I allow myself to sit with mad, whatever it is. It's fascinating to me. The science of that too, is it's been studied that when we actually sit and be with a feeling, it dissipates in nine seconds. But what we as humans do is we usually put walls up and we say, I'm not going to sit with mad. I'm not going to sit with angry. I'm not going to sit with scared. I'm going to keep it at bay. I'm going to hold it away because it's a bad feeling. And that makes it last, last a lifetime. It hangs out in our energy field. So I don't. I say, I'm going to be with it. And then I'm going to decide, do I want to step into my intention in this moment or not? I don't know if there's a time I've ever since I've been doing this work, that I allow something to affect me for days and weeks and months. Does it mean I feel bad? Yeah, it means I feel bad, but then I sit with it again. And I'll journal, I'll cry, I'll talk to somebody that will just listen to me spew, you know, whatever it is, so that I can be with it consciously. My goal is always to return as quickly as I consciously choose to be responsible for my intention I set. My daughter, one more story. This was probably a year ago. Actually, it was this year because she used my intention against me. 
I'm not mad about it. It actually was beautiful. We were driving to a doctor's appointment and I took the wrong road and I got all lost and whatever. I don't know San Diego. Like I didn't grow up here. So I don't know it like I know other parts of the country. But I've lived here long enough that I should, but I didn't have a clue where I was. My energy and frustration was getting higher and higher and she felt it. And my intention this year on my bracelet is dance with. So she said to me, mom, just dance with it. Would you just dance with it? (laughs) And I took a deep breath because I didn't like my, at the time, probably maybe 14, 13 year old to remind me of my intention. But I, then I rolled with that too. I had a choice about it because everything's a choice. And I believe that. And I've had people challenge that over and over and over. I've had people challenge that everything's a choice. No, we don't have choice about what's happening out there, but we have choice what happens right here. In this moment, in my four walls, I have choice. There are two or three things here, Lauren. One, I want to pause there, and pause is one of those. I want to pause there and call back to Viktor Frankl, who even while living in a Nazi concentration camp, recognized between stimulus and response, we always have a choice. Absolutely. We don't have a choice of what the stimulus is. Yeah. But we have a choice of how we choose to respond to that stimulus. So, yes, there's always that. And that's the power of the pause is to go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to be owned by this or hooked by this, or I'm not going to take the bait like I've done for the last X number of years of my life when anytime this happens because I felt I didn't have a choice. Now, how does intention, let's pull intention into this. How does intention allow someone to begin living differently for that and to stop being hooked or dominated by that? train of thought that they've always gotten on. How can intention help? So once someone starts to choose to live intentionally, it gives them more options, right? It gives them more options for how they go about life. It takes changing patterns. So it does rewire our brains and it takes practice. It doesn't happen overnight. And some of the clients that I've worked with over the years, I see them get this more quickly than others because it is a practice. So I love bringing in Viktor Frankl. He's one of my ultimate favorites. But what he says is that, well, he doesn't say it exactly like this, but he does say this. He says that freedom is a responsibility. So when we have choice about how we behave and we realize we have choice, it now is about responsibility. I think Viktor Frankl actually said that he thought the United States would be better off if we had a statue on the West Coast. We have the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast. It ought to be bookended by the Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. He did say that. And if you do dig a little deeper, which I have, because I actually had the same thought before I read the book. So I was mesmerized by the fact that he had that concept. And so did I. So then I was like, oh my goodness, I need to do some homework. He does have an organization here in, I think it's LA, that is trying to get the statue built, but it's not been successful yet. So they've been to cities to try to find the right city on the West Coast for the statue. And I think he's right. I think if we are about freedom in this country, this could turn into a political conversation, which it doesn't need to. 
the fact that we have freedom in this country means that we have immense responsibility. But that is true about us as individual humans when we realize the freedom we have in choice every moment to behave in a certain way. Once we have that knowing, I believe we now have the responsibility to use that. Okay, so Lauren, a moment ago, you referenced your intention bracelet. As a gift from you, I have one. Yay. And mine says something very different than yours. So talk about this process a moment. I love this process. So anybody that I work with, I and this year I had a goal. I'm not doing this next year. This is a special year because I was I rolled out this brand called Changemaker Nation. And I wanted to do the wheel with as many people as I possibly could. Okay, wait a minute. What's the wheel? Some people, they have no oh, idea what you're talking about. Yes, I have an intention wheel that I've been using with people for 19 years this month, 19 years. I rolled it out in 2002, December of 2002. And I've been using it ever since with all my clients. And I never really thought to use it with people outside of that little network. And this year, I decided to change the whole business model. So I practiced it with, I'm thinking it's probably over 100 people now, but I haven't really kept exact perfect track. But so the wheel experience takes about an hour to walk people through, and it helps people set their goals and intentions for a certain period of time. And over that course of that time, we also set like a focused intention. So it becomes your word of the year to focus on or your intention very specifically your way of being that you're going to just practice and what i know is that what i know from my own personal experience and from watching so many other people do this process is that this is a journey so you get i get on a journey of an intention and i practice it for at least a year i had one year where i practiced it two years in a row it didn't feel complete to me and oh was i right So I always know for me when it feels complete and when it's time to move on, but it's usually within a calendar year or I've never gone for more than two years, but it's a practice. It's like being mindful. It's a mindfulness practice to step into an intention and then watch where that journey takes me. And it always takes us to the next intention. It always does. It's fascinating. And I think that's what you asked me. What was on? So my bracelet says dance with dot, dot, dot. I've changed it recently. It's dance with it, baby. (laughs) So I actually make myself laugh because I have to spruce it up a little bit. And I realize, yeah, Lauren, it's a choice. And then I can play with it. Mine? So I did this shortly after we had met. We had shared a few conversations at this point. But one of those was just this get acquainted and started talking about intention. And then you invited me into this process. I joined you in the process. And my bracelet says, flourish now, which is my intention this year, to flourish now. And it's just a beautiful reminder when you strap it on every day, right? Or look at it whenever you see it. Flourish, not at the end of the year, not come December 31st, but now, every moment of every day, how to flourish now or how to dance with. And that's an intention. It is an intention. No, go ahead. What I want to say to that, I actually very consciously remove my bracelet at night with immense gratitude for all of the things that came my way or people that came my way, giving me the opportunity to practice. So I do that as sort of like a little routine and ritual I have with myself every night. And I put it down on my dresser and I'm done with it. It's like, 
thank you for the practice. And I'm all done with it for now because it's a lot of work to be mindful. It's a lot of energy. So I put it down. And then the next day I say to myself, do you want to practice that today? And I look at it and I say, yep, I'm practicing that today. And I put it on with a yes. Yep, I'm practicing that today. I don't do it unconsciously. I do it very, very consciously. For me, same thing. There's a lot of consciousness with strapping this on. Okay, so let me ask something. And I'm mindful of our time. We need to wrap this up. What's your intention for this conversation and those that join us in this conversation, Lauren? I think the more mindful we are about how we live, the better world we make. I have a vision for a world that's living intentionally is a happier, more joyful, we're singing. We're people that are singing in our hearts and our minds and out loud each day. It's not a world that's going about itself in strife and conflict. So that's my vision is that if we all can live a little more intentionally every day, we will live in a way that makes for a happier planet, a more mindful, thoughtful planet. So is there anything else lingering in your heart or mind at this moment that you want to release into this conversation before we bring it to a close? Beautiful question. I don't think so. It's just that I guess my door is always open for these conversations because I learn from everyone. I learn by talking. I learn by listening. So I love such conversations and really appreciate you taking the time to be very mindful about your words today, your questions today, and trying to unpack this for people. I just think it's such a powerful concept and conversation. So thank you for doing that and sharing it. And I know I thank you for being here, showing up, and just the friendship we've developed, the relationship we share. For people, and I know there's several that are going to want more of Lauren Beller in their heart, mind, and life, where do they go? I'm easy to find. The The key about me is my first name, L-O-R-I-N. If you put in Lauren Beller, it's really easy to find me. But if you spell it wrong, it's not. But Changemaker Nation is easy to find. And Lauren Beller, B-E-L-L-E-R, is easy to find. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for helping all of us unpack and live with intention, whether we understand it or not. You don't have to understand it. Just embrace it. Experience it. Live intentionally now, today. Set an intention. Whatever time you're listening to this today, do something with an intention for the time that remains in this day. What's something someone might do? How might someone just set an intention for the remainder of today? That's a great question. So I think just having a conversation with someone intentionally, like I'm going to give someone my attention, full attention for 10 minutes and look at their eyes to have the conversation. It's a game changer. It might be that something has been lingering and they have been putting it off and putting it off and that doesn't feel good. So choose one thing that you want to complete today that you've been putting off and just one thing or one aspect of that bigger project and complete it and notice how you feel. So it's about making a conscious choice of how we're going to be present and what we're going to give our energy to every single day, because what we give energy to grows. What a beautiful way to conclude our conversation. What we give energy to grows. So what do you want to see grow in your life today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Lauren. 
Oh, what a delight to share this conversation with Lauren with you. You know, normally at this point in the podcast, we have this segment that we call Community Moments, Community Magic. You know, I don't know if we've settled on the right title for this segment. But anyway, this week, it's just me sharing some reflections, thoughts from my experiences with this Extraordinary Life community through the lens of what we talked about today, intention. You know, I realized that we've now passed the 100-day mark since we converted this Extraordinary Life into a paid membership community. And as I thought about that 100-day, I started reflecting and remembering that I'm a guy who once was very fond of plans, especially 90-day plans. Now, don't get me wrong, I haven't completely abandoned plans, but I have found something that I think is even better or something that takes planning and puts a steroid magic to it. It's planning with intention. And as a result, I hold the actual plan much more loosely. Let me explain. In regards to what's happened in this extraordinary life over the past 100 days, it is dramatically different from anything that I would have or could have planned. You know what? It's actually better, way better, because we've been much more clear about the intention of creating the conditions for the community we want to host here, a community that Christy and I would call in our planning, a community where we would want to belong, where we would want to show up, rather than trying to control the outcome. That may need to sink in on you as it has with me. So many of my plans, I sought to control the outcome. Now I realize it's so much better to create the conditions and allow the outcome to take care of itself. I believe it was two episodes back in episode six when Linda Simpson joined and shared her journey and what her experience of being in community and belonging has allowed to happen in her life. Well, let me tell you, her sharing her experience has been an epiphany for me. Truly, truly, it's our intention in action, and it's way better than anything we could have planned or produced in our own brilliance. And I'm I'm air quotes around brilliance, okay? Here's what we've realized. It's all about belonging, believing, and becoming. And that's the journey we're on. That's what's happening at this Extraordinary Life community. We're about creating the conditions where you, me, people like us belong. And when we belong, it allows us to believe things that we've stopped believing. And the belonging accompanied by belief allows becoming to happen at a much deeper, richer level. So I'm wondering, as I wrap up this reflection on community, is there something that you're longing for? a place to belong, a place to believe, a place to become, a place where other people believe in you, things that you're struggling to believe for yourself at this point. If that's you, 
join us. Come take a look at this Extraordinary Life community. You can come and join the first month as my guest and see if it's a place where you belong, where you'll believe, where you'll become. You can go to thisextraordinary.life. Yeah, it's a unique domain. Thisextraordinary.life. Lauren and I talked about intention. I don't want to recap that conversation as much as to expand on it just a little. Earlier today, the day that I'm recording this, I'm watching another intention unfold and take shape in a way that is beautiful to behold. Now, I'm going to save the details to share with you in a couple of weeks, and hopefully I'll remember to reference back to this moment. But it started with an intention, and it started actually with the prodding of a friend, community member, Arlene Mendoza. We had a conversation, and she said, you know, here's something I think I'd love to see happen. Well, it's starting to happen. I'll share it with you in a couple of weeks. Unfold more. For now, let me conclude, as I usually do, if there's something you want to share from today's episode or any of the other preceding episodes, you know how to reach me. You can email me, kevin at thisextraordinary.life. I'll say that again, kevin at thisextraordinary.life. Or you can call, text, or WhatsApp me at plus one four zero four seven one three zero seven one three. So until we connect again, I want to encourage you to live into the extraordinary life and the extraordinary you that I know you are. How will you enjoy, express, experience this extraordinary life today? Thanks for being with us.